Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. It's Thursday, September 1st, and oh my God, we are having a great week on the podcast here. If you somehow are living under a rock and missed yesterday's episode, uh, we only had Chargers running back Austin Eckler on the show and announced that he is going to be my co-host for Eckler's Edge every Wednesday this season on this very podcast. And that's just one of several exciting things we've got going on this week. We had Justin Herbert on the show as well. If you're listening to this, please go back and listen to that. I think you're going to love hearing uh, Justin break down the Chargers, the way he approaches things. I mean, that guy is literally all business. We love to see it. Uh, And, of course, you're going to love hearing Austin's thoughts on his mindset and how he got to the NFL. And, of course, why he's so into the fantasy football community. But, I mean, speaking of excitement, we've got Dalton Del Don in the house today dalton what's going on buddy easy act to follow no problem uh in all seriousness <laughs> i listened to the pod this morning already good stuff had me seriously questioning myself fading both eckler and herbert in fantasy this year oh. uh because uh, yeah no, it was good stuff i do recommend everyone go give it a listen yes i want to actually correct something i said on the podcast yesterday which is great because they used it for all the social clips so that's awesome of course. i do have yes. i do have austin eckler on a team he i drafted him in the scott fishbowl but that That's was obviously so like, yeah. it was so many months ago. I totally forgot. So I'll have to tell him that when we do our taping uh, for next week's episode. That um, nice too. It's a league he would even have heard about too. You know, so you really blew it not not thinking down to the spot though, man. That's pretty funny that they use that as a highlight. That that's funny. I'm I'm glad that, that happened. That you you brain farted there. That's funnier this way. Yeah, it's probably better this way, and it makes the point that I'm in too many leagues and and all that. And uh, now I'm off the hook though because um, I got two more drafts, and now I don't have to like. And one of them is a salary cap league that we're we're in together. I don't have to blow like a hundred bucks on just to make sure I get Austin Eckler for the bit. So pressure's off on me uh, all the way. But Dalton, pressure's on you on this episode because we're going to be talking a lot about your rankings adjustments, um, some potential hot takes there. Dalton Dell Flamethrower is back. He's in. He's in the saddle here. But we do have to start with a little bit of news and. We have to start with this Jimmy G contract restructure. I know we're kind of a day late recapping it. Obviously, when it happened, we were taping the episode with Austin, so um, could not react in the moment to that. But Dalton, I mean, Jimmy G restructures his contracts, his contract to stay with the 49ers this year. I've got a lot of thoughts about this, a couple galaxy brain thoughts, but I want to hear, of course, my initial reaction to this was, where's where's my guy Dalton at? So give us your, your reaction to this news. Perfect timing for a couple of Niner fans to talk about it on the pod. Um, yeah, so as, as a, truly as a 49ers fan, this does make a ton of sense. It's depth at the it's the sport's most important position. And um, as a Trey Lance fantasy manager, I would have preferred Jimmy G end up elsewhere. But honestly, this is going to bring his ADP down this weekend, it feels like, from, from what I can tell. 
Um, this was not San Francisco's, maybe, maybe not a ton. Don't, I mean, don't completely quote me on that, but it does feel like from the questions I've get in the, in the league I've been in since, it does feel like this has brought a little bit more hesitation because there is a uh, notion out there, a conclusion that this is a red flag for Lance. But as someone who follows the 49ers daily, this was not the plan. Garoppolo didn't even have a playbook. This just happened because of his surgery and no trade partners opening up. Uh, the, the contract is, you know, it's a 10, 10 million plus pay cut. Uh, the quarterback room is still as a lesser salary cap hit this year than Sam Darnold does. So uh, it's just depth at the game's most important position. The backups were not playing well in the preseason. Not only has Trey Lance not attempted 600 passes in his football career, but he's also got suffered two injuries during his uh, two starts last year and a sprained knee and a broken finger. So, uh, again, this is a roster that's loaded in a wide open NFC. So why not add depth if Jimmy G is amenable to coming back? Can I promise this doesn't cause locker room stuff? Who knows? That's more galaxy brain. This also injuries could strike throughout the league and Jimmy G can now be uh, far more tradable now, too. So and the no trade clause means nothing, too, because he would never a team would never trade for a quarterback that doesn't want to be there. So anyway, it definitely took me by surprise, but it makes sense from a 49er standpoint. Fantasy wise, I can get why now some would see Lance having, you know, a shorter leash before getting benched couple of things here you mentioned the quarterbacks hadn't played well in preseason like if Jimmy G didn't agree to this contract restructure they were going to have to release him and then his Trey Lance's immediate backup would have been Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy you know I mean that is rough for a team that like you said has championship aspirations in the wide open NFC I mean if if Lance got hurt let's just forget about performance for a second if Lance got hurt and Jimmy G is off the roster I mean this is they're in a disastrous situation having to start a guy who just is completely not up to task like and this is a veteran team guys that are ready to win right effing now you know like they don't want to be just turning this over to a total unknown so if Trey Lance gets hurt they're in a great situation if Jimmy G is there it also I think makes sense um for Jimmy G as well because this way he gets to pick where he goes like you said he has to, the, the no trade clause it people take that and think like oh he's not getting traded come on like that just means he gets to just like Deshaun Watson had a no trade clause and we know how that went so this allows Jimmy G to veto a place he doesn't want to go. Like if he doesn't want to go and be the backup for the damn Texans and wait around until Davis Mills, you know, pukes on his shoes and then he's quarterback on a bad team. I think this gives him the best chance to potentially just wait it out a year in San Francisco, um, you know, rehab his value. If he has to start a game because Trey Lance gets hurt, then he's it's a place where he's going to look good. He's looked good over the last two years and he, he keeps his value up. And if we never see Jimmy G this entire year, then we don't have like, I don't know if this really makes a difference for NFL teams, but just again, say he went to some disaster team and, and then he stinks. Like that's the lasting image we have of Jimmy G really the lasting image we have of him right now is playing in the NFC championship. So that's another part of it too. I also think like the no trade clause, they might as well have just called that. And they might as well have just called this whole contract. The don't go to Seattle contract, because that's really probably what would have happened. Had he gotten cut, they go to Seattle, whatever. And then lastly, I think you can galaxy brain a take that. Cause there's definitely the, the media is out there going to say, that's the thing is, the biggest problem here is is this is going to be like a story. It's going to be a talking point because people, as soon as Trey Lance throws like one pick, everybody's like, where's Jimmy? Let's shoot to him on the sideline. That's going to be a thing. But you could also galaxy brain to take here that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are so confident in Trey Lance that they that he can have this presence on the roster that they can this will never be a story because Lance will be so good you can also say on the other hand that I'm wrong and they're just hedging their bets on Trey Lance that's possible as well so a lot of different ways you can go with this but the reality is the the, the brass tacks of it is that if Trey Lance was going to be bad this year and was going to be a bad pick in fantasy this changes nothing about that right like if he was going to stink he was going to stink right. anyways. So I, like th this, whether that we see Jimmy or not, it was either we were going to see Jimmy or we were going to just get a full 17 game schedule of a bad Trey Lance or whatever. So I, I think it changes nothing from a fantasy angle, but I think you can talk yourself into a couple ways that this is objectively good for the 49ers roster either way. Um, and I, I don't really buy that. I mean, I, I, I we'll see what happens if Trey Lance underperforms or whatever. But um, I still this hasn't changed my opinion about about Trey Lance at all. 
you can't you can definitely look at it uh both ways as far as as Kyle Shanahan but I I tend to agree with you it's like I, I, he's putting his whole future on this young quarterback feels like to me if he wasn't confident that Lance can handle Garoppolo backing him up you know he wouldn't have made this move here um so one thing I will quickly point out that while they're while these quarterbacks attack completely different areas of the field it's the same all offense installed it's not like Jimmy G yeah. still needs to learn a new one I mean Lance was running that same naked boot constantly the play action in the preseason games although they kept the playbook super vanilla obviously totally different different players but supposedly the same concepts and the schedule for what it's worth easier to start the season four of the first six they're nearly touchdown favorites so theoretically that could help Lance but uh, yeah this definitely throws a, a wild card in the situation for sure yeah and Kyle Shanahan said that Trey Lance was ready and willing to welcome you know Jimmy back in the room like Jimmy was helpful to him last year he was glad to have him back I think Jimmy definitely like the the thing is if he if Jimmy was healthy this offseason, he's not on this roster. Like, he gets traded somewhere else. And I, I think they're basically just kicking yeah, the trade can no down the road here. So um, we, might, we might still see Garoppolo get moved. We'll see what happens there. And, yeah, they also did adjust his base salary to be less than Trey Lance. So, like, everything is still pointing, like, this is Trey Lance's team. And, like, Kyle Shanahan can – he really is hedging. Like, he's just – he's backed himself into a corner there. Because if Trey Lance stinks, like, Kyle Shanahan's probably – it's probably the over for, for Shanahan in San Francisco, unless they win a Super Bowl with Jimmy. But we, we could go back and forth on this, uh, the literally the entire podcast, I feel like, Dalton. But the the real, the bat, the brass tax of it is, changes nothing for Trey Lance. You still draft Trey Lance the way you would have thought. And I don't think they bench Trey for performance reasons, but he we could see Jimmy for injury reasons. And, and I think that's kind of how this will go. It'll, it'll probably be more of a story than it is anything in reality in the NFL. And yeah, it, for all your 49ers, I think if you see Jimmy this year, you're in, we're in trouble just because that means Trey Lance was really bad. So we will move on there. Uh, let's talk some roster cuts. Uh, we actually have breaking news as this is going on. One of the things we were going to discuss is sort of kind of a surprise cut. Not really a surprise. We knew that the, the all those Dolphins backs were not making the roster. Sony Michelle gets released from the Dolphins. He visited the Chargers yesterday. And as we're discussing right now, um, he has just signed a, to a 53-man roster spot with the LA Chargers, did Sony Michelle. Um, I asked Austin yesterday, just Austin and Justin, like, who's the number two back on this team right now? And basically, Austin's answer was, I've seen, I saw Isaiah Spiller look pretty good. He got hurt. He fell, you know, kind of down the depth chart. He said, I've seen Josh Kelly look good. I've seen Larry Roundtree look good. So really, there that was a, a not, like, the, the answer is it's still up in the air. I think Sony Michelle actually is a potential really good compliment here for the Chargers. Yeah. You're being nice. I didn't take it as a rounding endorsement. He's like, Kelly ran harder than I ever saw him on that when his when his that, roster spot depended on it. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, how yeah, I took yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> and now you're adding another body. I mean, Michelle was pretty bad at the underlying metrics last year. But yeah, this is a crowded situation with with no glaring backup behind Eckler. So that's that's tough for fantasy managers. Yeah, another body there. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, not 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 easy, not ideal at all. Well, what I meant was I could see Sony Michelle immediately just becoming the RB2 Fair. here because, yes. <laughs> yeah, Kelly hasn't been great when he's played in the NFL. But, I, I, yeah, I took his answer basically to mean, like, it's still kind of up in the air here. Um, and so for that reason, it makes sense that they immediately bring in Sony Michelle at this point. So um, any other surprises from the roster cuts? Like, I, I really didn't see much that, that took me by surprise. No, none haven't jumped out at all. No. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, O.J. Howard got cut by the Bills. He was been visiting expected. Cincinnati. Yeah, that was kind of expected. Tyler Johnson, people have been trying to make him a thing with the Bucks for, like, three years. He's never been good. So that is that. One other note I do want to hit from the roster cut uh, kind of cut down day here. Greg Dulcich, the Broncos tight end, is on IR. It's been a little weird to me that there's been this all-out freakout on Albert O when, like, they're not – starting you know eric saubert or some of these other goofball blocking tight ends over albert O, and you know people talk about greg dulcich greg dulcich greg dulcich he might be good at some point but he's like barely practiced all offseason with this hamstring injury and now he's on ir like if you were in on albert O coming into this year you should i think still be in on albert O, despite the fact he played late in a preseason game yeah, so history was just super unkind to starting tight ends that played late in that preseason game, too. But then the next week, they held him out with the starters. So yeah. a little weird, and I lowered him in my ranks because I was just partly because I was superly aggressive on him throughout summer. But Where did yes, you have Albert him over o, the summer? My seven and eight. I, I mean, I was <laughs> drafting him super, super aggressively top as a top 10. 
Um, but me too, though. Yeah, I, mean, I had him. I had him at ten. I just. I know. Anytime I'm like, I have somebody ranked aggressively. I know you're just a little bit more aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I had him behind the big six. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had him just right there. Is yes. So uh, obviously, I've come down from there, and he's become more affordable. But yes, this is great news, and now I'll have him. You know cut the differences and have him solidly as a top 15. I mean, yeah, if he's a starter there, then he's right back to a startable guy weekly. But it was just, it's all about playing time with him because he's in the right situation and you look at his underlying metrics, it looks like a future star. Yeah, and I think this, the quote about uh, Nathaniel Hackett saying he needed reps and that's why he was playing in the preseason game, I thought that kind of got overblown because he's still a young developmental guy. Like, if, he, he does probably need reps. Like, that wasn't that damning yeah. of a quote to me. So, um, I can see putting No Patrick, him... no Patrick, no Fant, no Dulcich. I mean, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. <laughs> the opportunity is huge here. I actually wrote this yesterday in um, a piece on guys I'm, I'm like, worried to be... I'm worried that I'm wrong about. And I, I have said this a lot over the summer. I can't shake the feeling that this Denver situation is just not going to be as sexy as we think. Like... Dalton, we're about to get Russell Wilson on a team with probably a good running game and pr theoretically two good starting receivers. And that's kind of it in the passing game. It's like, where have we seen that before? Oh, just the last like three years in Seattle. It kind of looks like the same old thing, but I'll leave, I'll leave that for another time. So uh, I do think it's good news for Alberto stock back up for him. The stock is always up. Oh, the arrows are always pointing up on Dalton Del Don, and especially on on the the flamethrower takes here. Dalton, you basically want to just run through some of your ranking changes lately, and I'll let you start at the top here because you have a new number one overall pick. You you've gone ahead and and made CMC the guy there. Yeah, I rarely have ever pitch a podcast ideas, but I made a few changes in my ranks this last week, and I'm like, ah, maybe these are worth discussing. If for no other reason than Matt, Matt Harmon tell me why I'm uh, such an idiot for this, so you do need to talk me out of at least one of these. But um, I can't emphasize enough that I'm not trying to be hot takey here uh, <laughs> at all. If my daughter's college education depended on it, these would be my ranks. And oh, it's not just a. Uh, let me explain it though. Like as far as like uh, as far as having Tony, Tony Pollard ranked ahead of of Zeke. I, while I get that his uh, floor, Zeke's floor, sh is higher. When you outweigh the upside of Pollard, that's how I based on. I'm going to rank them based on how I would draft them. But but we'll start with CMC over Jonathan Taylor. This is not. Uh, I do not have a strong take here. I just wanted to be true to the rest of my rankings, and that's upside. Jonathan Taylor. If you want to take him before uh, CMC in your home league, you definitely have my blessing. It's just all about safety versus upside. There, McCaffrey is really the the best PPP fantasy player of all time, though. So if he if he does, you know the if you if you if he does stay healthy, there's far more upside. All right, so uh, where should where should we begin? Where should we begin? Let, well, we started at the top there. That's good. Let's stay at the top and talk about you've moved Kyle Pitts ahead of Travis Kelsey. Um, you you just a few episodes ago were like, I don't understand why, you know, damn Mark Andrews is going behind Travis Kelsey. You've now essentially slotted Kelsey down to tight end three. So I just was thinking about it, and next year I would absolutely be shocked if Travis Kelsey were going higher in fantasy leagues than Kyle Pitts. I know this doesn't work perfectly, but once I thought of it, reasoned it that way, I'm like, why am I not ranking him high now? I mean, we're going where the puck is, is we're skating where the puck's going, where it's headed. Uh, I, Kelsey's numbers, and especially if you really want to get nerd, nerd out and look at his uh, snap percentage in preseason and look at the trends, he might not be a full-time player this year, but his yards per route run drop with Tyreek Hill off the field. They, they, they added Juju. I mean, he's going to be, what, 30? four years old Pitts just looks like the sky's the limit now he has a quarterback will attack the area of the field that is best suits him unlike last year year two one of seven players ever have a thousand yards before turning 22 and he's the only tight end so yeah man I really truly honestly would rather have Kyle Pitts on my fantasy team this year than Kelsey who I think is just is definitely bad just a flat-out bad pick if you're using a first-round pick on on Kelsey at his this stage of his career yeah, I've been doing, you know, a first two round mock like for the website ever like I did one in June, I did one in early August. I'm going to file my next one tomorrow and every from from version 1 to 2 to 3 Kelsey has gone down for me. I had him as like a in the early one like at the 11th overall pick. I think now I've got him at like 2. Point, next now I've got I've moved Andrews ahead of Kelsey for sure in my ranks and I feel really good about that. So that means like Kelsey's more of a back half round 2 pick, but if you want Kelsey, you're never going to you're never going to get him if you're trying to take him around the end of round 2 and I don't think Kelsey is a a bad pick you know in a in a vacuum but it's when you when you put it like you've got to take him in the first round I agree I'm not doing that and 
you know, I had somebody ask me, like, what do you think about the fact that Travis Kelsey's like yards per route run and, and stuff like that against, you know, man coverage or against press coverage are, are getting lower? I'm like, well, he's just getting older, bro. Like, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. And sometimes it's bad when the cliff hits. It's better to be a year too soon than a year too late. So that that's just my thinking. And that's just probably the most prime, best example of my thinking behind my rankings and how I draft. But Pitts over Kelsey. Obviously, one has a Hall of Fame, maybe the best fantasy tight end of all time, or probably inarguably, whereas one you know scored hasn't scored a touchdown in the United States yet. So, <laughs> I mean, I get why that could be a, a wild <laughs> statement. But, um, but honestly, again, I would be shocked if Travis Kelsey is, is consistently drafted ahead of Pitts in next year's fantasy draft. So therefore I'm just going to try to be ahead of the curve. there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it, look, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If, I mean, like you said, I think it would be an upset if Pitts was going behind Kelsey next year. So you, you are trying to skate where the puck is going and look with Pitts, you know, I like Drake London, but he's still a rookie receiver. He hasn't played much in the preseason after that injury. Of course we know. And the thing with Kyle Pitts that I come back to Dalton, and I know this is some people are going to take this just because I don't want to chart him for reception perception, but that's another story. <laughs> I, I, I want to see him play like more traditional tight end. Like I don't want to see him used as an outside X receiver because it's easier to defend when he's lined up in that, in that way. Like, and I, I definitely think, you know, Marcus Mariota is not the best deep passer. Like that one, pass he threw to him down the field in the preseason like if he really throws that thing it's going to be a touchdown um, instead of just a big gain but like Marcus Mariota throwing to tight ends on deep passes off play action that's much more exciting than Marcus Mariota throwing to a big X receiver on the outside but I'd also argue he still attempts those passes in the inter intermediary area yes. like twice the rate of this version of Matt Ryan and that's going to help a faster guy like Pitts, even if it's not super accurate, I, I hear you there. Now, my, I will admit I'm a little concerned about Desmond Ritter starting in the fantasy playoffs, a rookie QB, although he's looked okay in the preseason. That's not ideal. But man, indoors in Atlanta with no running backs to speak of. I mean, Damian Williams is, might be the, the lead back in, in week one and no other receivers outside of a rookie. I also like the situation here for Pitts. I mean, he just might explode. He might be a top five overall fantasy pick next year. I mean, I really think there's a, a decent chance of that. Yeah, like you're never going to get a discount on Kyle Pitts. It's just never going to happen. I think if you take him in round three, um, if, he is, if he's there in early round four, I think he's an auto pick there. So I'm all in on Pitts as well this year, too, where he goes. I'm, I got no, got no problem about that. Um, let's say at the top of the draft board, you made a change with a, a Cowboys receiver. Look, Dalton, I've got CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver five. And, you know, you, you get people out there like, you're ranking CeeDee Lamb at his ceiling. You're not because he could be the best receiver in fantasy this year. You've moved him into your top three. Tell us why. Man, as much as I love Diggs, there's Gabe Davis there. I mean, Chase and Higgins is like 45-55 on a weekly basis. Obviously, Devontae Adams has question marks. Uh, we'll definitely talk to about your guy, Mike Evans, later too. So, I, again, CeeDee Lamb, a guy that hasn't actually done it, put together a top three type fantasy season, but you just look at the target projection and it's just going to be silly, especially after the, the loss of Tyron Smith left left tackle. I mean, that may hurt the overall offense, but it's really going to kill the ground game. And this team is just not going to be uh, playing with the similar leads as they're used to. Uh, Dalton Schultz is their number two target. I just I mean, how how is CeeDee Lamb not going to see 180 plus targets? So, I mean, you know, coming from Dak Prescott with no running game indoors. I mean, I think I, I would just personally think he's gonna I would rather have it uh, gun to head I think he's gonna have a better fantasy season than Diggs or Chase one of the common arguments that you get because I've had this argument uh, when you talk about CeeDee Lamb potentially leading the NFL in targets which I think he's a pretty good bet to do that is that Dak Prescott has never hyper targeted one yes. receiver mm -hmm. but that moves the needle for me in in in, in z like zero ways because you just look at the receivers that he's had Amari Cooper has never um, has never been a hyper-targeted receiver at any point during his career. But, like, of course he's not going to hyper-target Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, or Michael Gallup, and all three of those guys are playing together. And that's been the majority of Dak Prescott for the last couple of years. And then even just dating back to, like, the Cooper and Gallup days, like, those are two good receivers. That's a good duo. They also had Cole Beasley and like Des Bryant for a little bit. And Des Bryant like was at the end of his career when Dak was starting to ascend. So of course he's not hyper targeting Des Bryant. Although Des got to like 130 plus targets or something like that. But this situation is so much and like target share. I, I agree targets are earned with I agree with that sentiment. 
But this situation is just vastly different than what we you would normally get uh, out of a out of the situations we've seen in Dallas the last few years. Yeah, I'm just counting on the targets. It's a great counter if Dak has not done that. I mean, it really is a good counter argument here. But if he's ever going to, it's this setup here, which is the number two wide receiver right now in week one is probably going to be Noah Brown. I mean, and, and James Washington's not returning anytime fast. Who knows how long it is before Gallup's up to full speed. So I just think the situation's so, so good for Lamb. And he's ready to explode in year three. I know he's had some disappointments. I, I believe he was playing down the stretch with an injury or something. But I think in the red zone, he could become a total monster. So And, and I'm totally, totally writing off uh, Zeke. So uh, I, I really like the setup for Lamb and Pollard there in Dallas. I think when you view CeeDee Lamb in isolation, there are zero questions about him as a player. Zero questions about him as a player. So Love I, I don't. Hear that. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think there are any concerns there. I think he's totally up for this. I disagree with you. the The Jamar Chase argument is is a good one because I write a series for the site every year, uh, or it's just one piece, an annual one, looking at my three pillars for like what what it takes to become the wide receiver one overall. Pillar number one is: Are you really effing good at the game? And and C D Lamb checks that box. The, the other one is, are you tethered to a good offensive situation or quarterback? And obviously, I think CeeDee Lamb checks that box with Dak Prescott. If you know, reg Regardless of where you think Dak Prescott sits on the quarterback pantheon, he's good enough to support the wide receiver one overall in fantasy. And the last one is a dominant target share in his offense. And I, I think that CeeDee Lamb is definitely going to see that. I think Diggs checks all those boxes. I have come around to the idea that Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, like those three are all going to eat into each other. And I don't think they eat into digs, even though I, I, you might disagree with me and you do, you sh shaking it by the way, for the, for the podcast, listener, he's shaking his head. Yes. On the other end of the zoom, but the chase part of that argument is a good one. Cause like Higgins and Boyd, I think will will kind of eat it all into each other. I really don't want to bore you with the stats, but when Higgins and Chase were on the field together last year, arguably Higgins got the better underlying numbers that you want. Like the target rate was slightly higher and stuff like that. Very, very similar. Um, okay, so as for Diggs, whom I love also, he's my wide receiver four, and we're just nitpicking here, my three versus four. But I versus the competition compared to Dallas, uh, the odds have been released for week one. Week one over under receiving yards, Stephon Diggs is one yard higher than my guy Gabe Davis. It's like 66 and a half versus 65 and a half. And Gabe Davis's juice is way higher, minus 140. This is the, the market. This is Vegas projecting, projecting week one, the same yardage, but Davis has a higher juice. I, who's going to score more touchdowns? I mean, I don't know about that one either. So I don't know, man. I mean, this is the market saying projecting that they're equal. The, it's 50-50. Who's going to have more yards week one, Gabe or, or, or Diggs? Well, I mean, those knuckleheads in Vegas don't move my uh, don't move my thoughts at all when it comes. Yeah, to... Yeah, they usually lose bets. They don't know what they're doing, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Um, no, I I mean, Diggs. I I I think you're. I'm closer to moving Diggs to wide receiver three, and Chase to wide receiver four, than than I am to moving um, Ceedee Lamb ahead of ahead of uh, Stephon Diggs. But I agree. I have him at wide receiver five, and I feel really good about him. So I I hear your points on that, and like if he finishes the year as the number one wide receiver overall, we shouldn't be surprised at all. Ceedee Lamb. One final thing: air yardage share while sharing the field together last year in 312 routes. Gabe Davis, 38%. Stephon Diggs, 32%. I mean, Gosh. when they're on the field together, he dominates air yards, too. I don't know what to tell you here, man. I mean, Gabe Davis is going to explode. So, but who's, who's what next? Who are we talking Isaiah about? Isaiah McKenzie going to catch more passes than Gabe Davis this yeah. year. That's my bold prediction. Yeah. But um, anyways, uh, that's not it. No, I, gotta, I could see that easily happening. All right, can I just talk to uh, yes. Christian Kirk? I just want to, I want to talk Christian Let's Kirk. Talk I moved Jets, him into... Yeah. Yes, I moved him into my top 25 fantasy receivers. He has huge splits on and off field with DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, who never moved their wide receivers around. He's been totally dominating targets in the preseason after getting paid like a top five real-life receiver. And man, Trevor Lawrence, I've been moving way up to. On first downs during the first half of games last year, he ranked second in success rate and number six in YPA. And that was with Urban Meyer. Uh, I mean, Bourbon Meyer is gone now. And you're two big upgrades there. So, okay. So I have a question for you here. I rank Christian Kirk ahead. You're going to probably consider this a hot take, but uh, you're going to be arguing with yourself here. 
ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster. Forget the fact he's been sidelined with this knee injury, but I'm looking at this site reception perception, and Juju was, <laughs> I understand, limited sample. I understand, but I believe he was second to worst in beating man coverage last year. Mm-hmm. Is that a Ben Roethlisberger's fault, or are you going against your own eyes here? So tell me tell me wow. why you're up on Juju here and why Christian Kirk shouldn't be a slam-dunk pick ahead of him, despite you know not having Mahomes. That's hoisted, a argument, having Hoisted Mahomes. by my own petard <laughs> here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Look, the good thing about Juju, he's always been that player. He's never been a good man coverage beater. He's, But he is a really good zone beater. He was 11th best last year in reception perception. I'm, I'm familiar with the data from that website, Dalton. Uh, he, he was 11th best in success rate versus zone coverage last year. And his 2019 season, not even one of his biggest season, but 2019, um, he was 11th best all time in reception perception history in success rate versus zone coverage. And I think he's still going to run most of it, like the majority of his routes from the slot. So he's going to see more zone coverage there. I think MVS is going to be their X receiver there. So that's not a huge concern for me because they're going to play Juju off the line. They're going to get no quarterback faced a higher percentage of his dropbacks against zone coverage than Patrick Mahomes last year. That's the way teams oh. tried to beat them. So yeah. decent I counter th- there. Then he's not going to be running any man <laughs> coverage. I, yeah. I guess, yeah. But, I, but your point is well take like I'm in on Kirk. I've been ahead of consensus on Kirk all off season. You just got him a little bit higher. Um, I would say though, that Christian Kirk is definitely a better zone beater than a man beater. And if you want to make the counter, Uh, on Christian Kirk is that they have been using him a lot outside in the preseason. I think he's, again, still going to run more than 50% of his routes from the slots. I don't think that's a huge concern, but to play devil's advocate, he has always, always, always been a better slot receiver than an outside receiver. And I think with Jacksonville, we want him playing outside in two receiver sets, but he's got to move into the slot in 11 personnel. Yes. Okay. Those are those are pretty decent counters. And in fairness to me, I have Juju right behind him. But yes, in, in Kansas City, he's probably not going to be asked to beat any man coverage and have one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history throwing him the football. So, uh, but who, again, are, some, I'm, but I'm who hot- are some other big names that you've got uh, behind Christian Kirk now? Oh, behind Christian Kirk. Let's see. I have um, oh, big name. Uh, my guy, Brandon Ayuk, one spot below. But uh, no, oh, Terry no McLaurin. Argument. Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks. I love Brandon Cooks. I know he's underrated, but I think Nico Collins is a real is really going to be a problem there. So I would Same. guess Brandon Cooks and Terry McLaurin and Juju would be the bigger. Oh, DK Metcalf, but that's like a slam dunk for me. And Marquise <laughs> Brown, is he there? Uh, those guys, those those guys. Interesting. Yeah, I mean McLaurin. I totally disagree with you about Terry McLaurin. Um, okay. Just so so good. I think Wentz can be functional. And again, if we're talking about dominant, though, you know. Christian Kirk is a pretty good player. I think Terry McLaurin is a potentially elite player, just not ever going to be in the right situation. But like if Terry McLaurin was the number one receiver in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence legitimately takes that next step, like we'd be top 10 receiver this year for me. I think that Christian Kirk, just not that good of a player, not as good. Like, but I I mean, again, I I don't want to talk bad on Christian Kirk. I think where he's going in drafts, he's undervalued. And we need Trevor Lawrence to take the next step. But you're also in on Trevor Lawrence this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. McLaurin's a way better real life player, maybe top twelve real life NFL player. But just the Dotson Wentz factor versus Lawrence and no one is, is why Dotson is good too. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But same tier, same tier to be clear, same tier for me. But talk to me about Trevor Lawrence. How why you're moving him up uh, your quarterback rankings? Well, I mean, he rushed it for a generational prospect. And again, on first downs in the first half last year. So let's separate coaching here. He was number two in success rate, 8.3 YPA. And they just totally upgraded the wide receivers. Last year, 25% of his targets went to Laquan Treadwell and LaVisca Chenault. And now most quarterbacks get better in year two anyway. And now we're talking, you know, a generational prospect with a huge addition by subtraction coaching change and uh, upgraded wide receivers. So it's almost just so obvious. But because he also runs... Um, and he attempted a lot of passes, I believe, in the end zone, too, for all there, which is a nice predictor of touchdown pass in the future. So I like Trevor Lawrence to, to finish as a top 12 fantasy QB this year. Yeah. By the way, neither of those guys, Laquan Treadwell or LaVisca Chenault, are on the team now. Uh, Treadwell was cut. They were going to cut Chenault, but the dumbass Panthers decided to trade for LaVisca Chenault. So, um, yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. So d- tell me you've got Trevor Lawrence over Aaron Rodgers, over Matthew Stafford. 
What about Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson? Are you still taking those I guys haven't, over? Yeah, good. No, I still have those guys are safer. That was just more of my prediction that he's going to finish top 12. Yeah, it's really tough to, those top 14 QBs are pretty, are so rock solid, whatever. You could put him in the back of that tier, but I'm not, I'm not going to make any crazy declaration there, but he won't cost you, you know, his ADP, his ADP is well behind those guys. So if you're playing yeah. in super flex, you know, just wait a couple more rounds and get, get the same player a couple rounds later would be my advice there. But yeah, I have, I personally, I've had a hard time distinguishing Brady, Stafford, Cousins, Prescott, Rogers, and, and now I would even throw throw Lawrence in in that tier. So yeah, and the Jaguars get a pretty good start to their schedule. They get the Commanders in Week One. We'll see if the damn Commanders' pass defense can live up to expectations no this Chase year. Young. But no Chase Young yeah. early on. So uh, I I think if you're streaming quarterbacks even in a one QB league, Trevor Lawrence makes for a good because he could, he could have that upside to not be a streamer and eventually just be an every week starter. Um, all right, Dalton and I are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have some breaking news. Another piece of breaking news to talk about on the other side of this. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we are back, and as promised, Dalton, we've got some big breaking news here. The Eagles are sending Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for 2023 seventh-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's mean. It's mean that they're trading Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings yeah. because of the fact that, the, that Justin Jefferson was picked one pick ahead of Jalen Rager. You can never separate their connection now. That is just really funny. Yeah, that 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 is funny. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a threat to Justin Jefferson's targets this year, but uh, it is worth mentioning just for the for the laughs. It's men- Yeah, I, I literally only did that just just for the joke. But um, <laughs> there is a funny alternate universe, you know, where uh, you know my good pal Dave Damashek from NFL Network used to do the NFL um, segment, and there's a there's like a funny alternate universe where. If the damn uh, Eagles had just done the right thing and taken Justin Jefferson ahead of Jalen Rager, and then the the Vikings drafted Jalen Rager, and you know how everybody talks about oh Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson, that trade really ended up being a win win. There's an alternate universe where this is not a win win, but I just think that's a funny thing to mention. All right, let's talk more of Dalton's ranking changes here, including the Jets running back situation. So you are. You, it seems like you are pretty concerned about the fact that Michael Carter has been running as the the top running back for the New York Jets basically throughout the entire offseason. Yes. Um, Brees Hall, I'm not, you know, first of all, it's, it's unclear if he's this totally the next Jonathan Taylor talent. His workout metrics do look impressive, but A, the coach is saying something different. B, there's a whole Zach Wilson situation there. But Michael Carter, so PFF says the best predictor for NFL success in running backs in college is college explosive run rate. And Michael Carter's was twice as high as Brees Hall's for what it's worth. So I think Carter is going to probably remain a problem throughout the year, even if Hall surpasses him, gets 60% of the touches the second half. Uh, I still like Hall and his upside and all that. I've just personally moved up everyone's favorite sleeper, Damian Pierce, and even my guy, Elijah Mitchell. I think those are two uh, much safer uh, picks with the backfields completely to themselves, barring injury with, with Mitchell and Pierce overhaul. So that, that, that would be considered maybe a hot take. So where do you have Brees Hall just ranked right now? Brees Hall, I have as my RB19 back-to-back with A.J. Dillon. Um, I mean, his ECR is, is, is RB17, so it's not anything crazy there. Who would you rather have, Brees Hall or A.J. Dillon? Or, or my guy Mitchell and Pierce. Go ahead and rank those four. I've had Mitchell overhaul all offseason, and I did move Damian Pierce to RB20, and I've got Brees Hall at running back 23. But, you know, I've got, I've got some dust balls that I'm sure you don't have over um, Brees Hall. Like, I've still got... I need to change it. I, I got. Cam, we'll talk Cam Akers in a second, but I need to move oh, Brees Hall yes. ahead of Cam Akers. Uh, Ceh, I have ahead of Brees Hall. J.K. Dobbins, even with the injury risk early in the season, I have over Brees Hall. So there are some guys I do have there, but yeah, I'd rather have Brees Hall than AJ Dillon. I think just because there's a chance. I think like there's zero percent chance that AJ Dillon completely usurps Aaron Jones, but I think there's a decent. Although I do believe in the standalone value of AJ Dillon, I'm totally in on drafting him. 
you know, it, with Brees Hall, there's still the upside that he just wins over this backfield. But I think the takeaway here, Dalton, is that like you got if you're doing any sort of like light running back build, like you're going wide receiver heavy, you need to take freaking Michael Carter, man. I mean, he's going 111th overall in consensus ADP right now. He's the RB 45 consensus ranked uh, on Yahoo ADP. You should take Michael Carter, man. I, I have him right now ranked at running back 36 and I've had him kind of there all off season as a, as a green light guy. Yeah. He, yeah, he, absolutely. I had him too low with parts of why I wrote this to begin with, just cause I was kind of buying into hall, but I'm listening to the coaches. He's a good player, Carter. And he, uh, he's you know, probably the superior receiver right away. So, uh, absolutely. He's a, a decent late round flyer and two other guys, just quickly to note that are backups. Dontrell Hilliard appears to have won that job in Tennessee and I've been drafting him late all off season. So I like to hear that. Uh, I like him as if you want some Derrick Henry insurance and Jeff Wilson's the guy in San Francisco, they kept yeah. what, five backs, Jordan Mason, but Jeff Wilson, was the guy that they're treating as the clear number two entering the year. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that. And just last note, like, I'm still fine drafting Brees Hall. I still think he leads the team in backfield touches by the end of the year. Um, I don't think Michael Carter – I mean, but Michael Carter split the backfield with Javante Williams in, in college, and I think this is – I don't think Michael Carter has the upside or the ability to hold up as a full workhorse but he could certainly have a very valuable role in an offense. He's just has, Jets offense is really interesting. Let's move to kind of your spicier rankings here. You've flipped a couple of back running back teammates ahead of their other ones. I talked about Cam Akers. You've got officially just got Daryl Henderson over Cam Akers at this point. Well, okay. When I, it's better news that Akers has at least returned to practice. Look, he was sidelined indefinitely. They're both dealing with these soft tissue issues. So here's the deal. Why are these guys not getting ranked, basically drafted back-to-back? Why is Henderson going rounds and rounds later when Akers was the worst running back in football last year after returning from his Achilles? Are we just assuming that the offseason has made him recover from that injury? One running back, Daryl Henderson, is the primary passing down back at minimum, uh, getting splitting the work evenly, uh, got 8.9 yards per carry in college, and didn't tear his Achilles the other ranked last among 105 running backs in rush yards over expectation. And the coaches are even saying it's a split backfield these, these days. So I don't really get why acres is going so high and still being treated as a top 25 fantasy back. It's like a 50, 50 uh, uh, situation for me. And acres is going rounds earlier. Curiously. Yeah. Just to, to put it, into perspective here, Cam Akers is 39th overall in consensus ADP and Daryl Henderson is, it is 119. That's nuts. I don't have that. I still have Daryl Henderson ranked kind of as a fringe top 40 back. Uh, and I still have Henderson ranked kind of in the dead zone, but I'm not, I've, I've not drafted or bit, I mean, excuse me, Cam Akers. I've not been tempted by Cam Akers once this year, even like, okay, he's there. I'll go ahead and do it. I haven't drafted him a single time. And Henderson. Yeah. If you're again, much like Michael Carter, if you're going for the hero RB strategy or a zero RB strategy, those those are the guys like potential backups that can walk into starting roles in the case of injuries, but also look like they're going to have a legitimate week one role. And I, I wouldn't rule out Kyron Williams too, the rookie running back. Andy has mentioned him several times in the podcast, good pass protector and McVeigh even brought him up as a guy that might be involved in the rotation. Yeah, I think they held him out, just making sure he's the clear number three. Both Henderson and Akers are totally injury-prone, and they're going to regress from having 80%, a league-high 80% of their touchdowns last year. The Rams were via the pass. That's going to regress. So uh, Kyron Williams is absolutely one of my favorite late-round flyers, last-round flyers. Yeah, they don't throw to their running backs much either, and when you have Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson on the field, you don't be throwing to you know, Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson either. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that Henderson's a really good pick right now. He's not going to last the whole season. He never lasts the whole season, but uh, just as a, as a pure starter, whether he gets hurt or not, something always happens. Uh, but still, he's a good pick right now where he is going. Let's also talk another running back that you've moved ahead of his teammate. I mean... Dalton, way on brand here. Tony Pollard over Ezekiel Elliott. This was my initial instinct uh, after last season ended. I had went back and forth. A few uh, buddies made fun of me. Um, and now I've, I've landed in the same spot. Came full 360. Uh, you look at the on-off splits with the left tackle. 
Tyron Smith, uh, and it's bad for Zeke. Touch leaders right now in the NFL, Zeke Elliott has 1,938 touches. I mean, to put that in perspective, Austin Eckler has 889. I mean, 1,100 more. He's going to be 27 years old. I know everyone wants to blame last year on the PCL injury played through. And and I think the best argument there is just the fact that Dallas is so stubborn that they play a bad running back with that contract. <laughs> but, man, if you look at the, the numbers before uh, that injury, he was uh, in big decline before the injury, too. And Paul Pollard, on the other hand, just looks like a star waiting to happen. Um, I just think Zeke is totally washed, and I wouldn't want any part of him. Um, let, I mean, if you were if you were in an overall uh, contest, you know, with a big, big payout, what do you think the odds are greater, that Zeke is on that winning team or Tony Pollard? I mean, it's overwhelmingly the answer is going to be Tony Pollard. So why are we drafting the other ahead of the latter? So uh, just the fact that the other comes cheaper is just a bonus. But honestly... Uh, I, I do agree that Zeke has a higher floor, no question. But given the disparity in upsides, which is one league winner, the other at this stage is just, you know, really not that much upside because of his his age and mileage. And, and now without a left tackle to help block, I, I mean, it's going to be a problem for Zeke. So I, 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 I again, you got to talk me out of one of these. Is it this one? I, I think I'm going to talk you out of this one because I agree that Zeke has the safer floor. We're in agreement there. And, you know, look, Tony Pollard has great theoretical upside if Zeke gets hurt. I think that's the that's the only way that we're ranking. And if to be fair, if Zeke like decided to never play football again tomorrow, like he just retired, we'd probably draft Tony Pollard. What is like RB ten, RB eleven? Like he'd be drafted top twelve. Um, I I agree with that, but I don't think there is any chance that Tony Pollard takes the job from Zeke Elliott unless he gets hurt because I think Zeke was still playing pretty well last year when he was healthy. The production was there early on. I mean, some of the underlying metrics, you know, success rate, stuff like that, not as great, but they're going to give Zeke the ball. Like, I mean, Jerry Jones, he's even out there saying on freaking first take that they go as Zeke goes. We know that, but we know that backup running backs have injury upside in the event that the starter goes down. Like if, if Melvin Gordon was injured, we'd rank Javante Williams higher than if Melvin Gordon was playing. But, and I think that's true with Zeke too. Like if Tony Pollard gets hurt, Zeke has top 12 running back upside too, because he'd own all of that passing down work that I, I think Tony Pollard has a early career Austin Eckler like role in this offense where he could get like 900 yards from scrimmage and score a decent bit of touchdowns primarily as a receiver because of that depth chart. But Zeke is still going to play a ton of passing down work because he's a good blocker. And if Pollard was injured, I think Zeke plays like 85 plus percent of the snaps. Yeah, despite getting 115 fewer touches than Zeke, Pollard had had more 15-yard gains and forced 10 more missed tackles. Um, you might be right. It might just be stubborn. I personally think it's going to be different this year. Philadelphia is going to win that division. They, they lose a whole yard per carry with Smith off the field historically. And, and Zeke is a whole nother year older. And this mileage is just the historically, it's it's rough. So when the end comes, it comes. I, I get all, they can say what they want now, but they want to win football games. I understand we just saw a large sample of, of them just putting them out there. I get it. But I'm betting on it being to the point of, of where they're forced there and, and and it's going to be 60% Pollard even if Zeke doesn't suffer the injury but and the guys they showed a propensity to play through the injury so maybe I'm yeah. off base here completely like I understand this one's a a, a stretch Lord podcast just uh, slacked me on the side and, and said exactly what you did which is that Zeke has shown a, a propensity to play through those injuries so he has to suffer like a major injury I think for Tony Pollard to completely usurp him which is totally possible because of the mileage but um, I do think that Zeke played um I've got Zeke as like my hero ish RB on one of my um, kind of wide receiver heavy teams. And I still feel pretty good about that. I took him over Elijah Mitchell in a draft in July, and I'm still losing sleep over it. I've never been a, felt like oh, a bigger coward. I've never felt like a bigger coward, and just I'm just so upset with myself. Just just so upset with myself. I can't believe I'm rostering Zeke on one of my 500 teams. But anyway. <laughs> You're, you're a monster. Do we have anyone? You're you're a monster, by the way. But um, I th dude, Zeke can still easily score like 10, 12 touchdowns this year. I get the Tyron Smith injury is is a problem, but this is still going to be a a. I think it'll be a pretty good offense. Like I don't think Tyron Smith is at the point in his career where he's going to completely tank this entire, like his absence is going to completely tank the entire offense. It's going to shave off some of the efficiency of it. There's no question about that. Like Brandon Thorne 
had them ranked sixth best offensive line with Tyron Smith 20th. down to 20th yeah. without him. That does it's a move big the deal, needle. man. They got all this interception luck last year. They got uh, they led the league in scoring last year and didn't help anyone in fantasy somehow. I, I don't know. I feel like there's some 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 poor. Got some help from the defense gonna, on that. It's gonna be all C.D. Lamb and Pollard and, and some Schultz. That's that's what I see a lot. A lot and of targets with a team plus having to touchdowns play. for Zeke and 10 uh, plus maybe, touchdowns yeah. for Zeke. dominates the red zone more. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, man, he's going to get like 350 hate touches this year. And, and you and all of the Tony Pollard bros are just going to totally hate it. I, and by the way, just want to say I'm in on Tony Pollard. Like if you draft him in round seven to eight, I'm totally cool with that because of the injury upside. And I think he's got some standalone value. So we're not. I totally hear you, though. The first like six weeks, he might be unplayable, though. That, that you have to understand. He might be unplayable. You know, you might be waiting for an injury for sure. Yeah, I we're not. As usual, Dalton, we're on like we're in the same neighborhood with our takes here you've just like taken one foot um <laughs> gone too far yeah you've you've gone down like uh like padme said to anakin you you're going down a path i cannot follow you here uh dalton so we're, we're but we're on the, we're in the same zip code here with a lot of this stuff uh, as usual but you want to let's move on to the tampa Bay buccaneers because there's a couple um t- there's a couple takes that you had here starting with this one will any tampa bay uh, wide receiver outscore mike evans so I don't know about that. Probably not. But I do have some some uh, some some shade to throw your guy, Mike Evans. I know you've been drafting him aggressively. Um, I, this is where you really go crazy on me. But I officially moved Gabe Davis ahead of my ranks and your guy, Mike Evans. Um, so here, here are my counters for you. This, Mike Evans. Yeah, uh, he's a this is a I was the person who uh, the I looked at the Godwin injury in, in, in summer and I'm like, yeah, Mike Evans is sudden. No, no, Rob Gronkowski. Evans is a late first round fantasy pick right now. I can get behind it. But as of now, I'm pretty much on the opposite side here. This is a player entering year nine that's seen his yards per route run drop three straight years. His targets per route run drop three straight years. Do you know his target share last year, including the playoffs, was 16 percent? I understand that Evan Silva likes to say he was put on this earth to, to catch touchdowns. And I get it. Touchdown equity should be there with Gronkowski gone especially. But they added Russell Gage. What if Julio Jones isn't washed? Mike Evans has already suffered a hamstring injury. We talked to, we see these, these, these tissue injuries are very, very much could recur. Chris Godwin's got some healthier reports. So I, one has a quarterback who's 45 years old. Gabe Davis has a quarterback who's 25, basically 25 years old, 26 years old, and is going to taking first in fantasy leagues. So that's where I stand. I'm worried about Mike Evans. Again, 16% target share. 16%. It was not even top 75 among wide receivers last year. And they added Russell Gage. They added Julio Jones. Chris Godwin's healthier than expected. I'm worried if you're spending a first or, or early second round pick on Mike Evans now. Well, you shouldn't spend a first round pick on Mike Evans. Uh, and I think he's okay, like second a, round. I'm worried if you're taking him in this. I'm even worried if you're taking him above DJ Moore. I mean, the Gabe Davis thing, like, listen, you and you and your Gabe Davis fanboys are all going to be like dancing in the street with your with your pants off. If if Gabe Davis becomes like 75 percent of the player Mike Evans is like that's <laughs> that's how far we have to go from Gabe Davis being that good. Like Mike Evans is is an incredible player who's lost nothing. Like he's only gotten better as his career has gone on. Like Mike Evans is a better route runner now than he was three years ago. He's still tell that to his tell that to the stats. Tell that to his yards per uh, route run. Well, that's because he's been playing with a lot of great players around him, and now one of those great players is Chris Godwin. He's he's hurt. I I know. Look, I'm I am dead scared that I'm going to be wrong about Chris Godwin because like. Chris Godwin, 100%, I said this with Scott, like he's in the RP ring of honor. He is one of one of the series' big hits. I love Chris Godwin, but I am st- I don't care about all the positive reports. Like he could still start, he could still not be fully ramped up until October. Um, I think that's still possible. And like Russell Gage is a nice player. I like Russell Gage a decent bit, but he's not taking targets away from a guy that's as good as Mike Evans. And Julio Jones, like I'm still totally on we'll see in terms of where he's at so yeah the reason his yards per route run has dropped because he's been pl- and Gr- gronk was there antonio brown was playing with him those and, are yeah, yeah yeah like that's that's like yards per route run is a great metric but your yards are going to decline when you're sharing the pie with all of these other great players and i i think mike evans is now sharing the pie with a bunch of 
fine players, the fine players being an 80% Chris Godwin. Russell Gage is fine. I think Julio Who's Jones... Hurt a- too, by the way. Russell Gage suffered a hamstring injury, too, I might add. Yeah. But I think part of this, sorry to interrupt, is, is me no, realizing that Julio Jones may not be totally washed. I completely wrote him off when he was first signed and stubbornly uh, drafted Gage and whatnot, but maybe he's not washed. His yards per route runs pretty good last year. Again, whatever, not a perfect metric, but he's reportedly impressed. So maybe maybe I worry about him being the thing, but uh, maybe that's off base. But that, that, that I think, is definitely a f- a factoring into my decision here. And then we, you mentioned Lord Reeves. Let me, t- let me uh, repeat a tweet tweet of his Gabriel Davis ranks in career target distribution among the top 100 wide receivers in current ADP red zone first inside the 10 first in zone first so is that good to have a career target distribution first in those categories is that good or bad it's going to see more volume this year okay all right right. it's good I, I just, listen, I'm, so I'm a centrist on Gabe Davis. I'm not a Gabe Davis hater. Um, it's just you extremists on the other end of the aisle that, uh, that may make in the pro Gabe Davis camp. Breaking him ahead of Mike Evans. I mean, Dalton, you should be ashamed, you should be ashamed of yourself is, is all I'll say about that. I knew um, you'd hate this one the most. I, 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 I hate this. <laughs> I hate this more than anything I've heard on this podcast feed the last two months. I love it. love it. Love it. Okay. My, my work here is done. Yeah, your work is done. You've, you've officially, riled. I gotta like go take a shower now. I'm so, I'm so riled up at this point. But back on the Bucks, I do agree with you that Julio Jones is the biggest X factor on this team because I think the range, like we're supposed to, and this just this just gave me a great idea. I know one of our assignments this week, Dalton, is to do a group piece on players with the wide widest range of outcomes. I think Julio Jones has the widest range of outcomes because I could totally see him being still good. Um, I could totally see, see him still being like a, a wide receiver. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver one, but he could be an every week wide receiver two starter with Tom Brady if he's just not washed at all. But the other end of that extreme is that he is washed. His reception perception data from last year looks very much like Des Bryant's 2017 season when Des was absolutely cooked and Every big media company, you know, ESPN, NFL Network running 24-hour coverage on where's Des Bryant going to sign. He didn't sign anywhere until November because everybody else watched the film that year, too. Julio Jones' RP metrics do look like that. But there's a chance you just plant through injuries all last year, and then he gets right back to solid form, which is where he was in, in 2020. But th- th- that range of outcomes exists for Julio Jones where he – is washed. He's not playing. And like, he's not even a part of the team by the end of the season. I think that is within the range of outcomes for Julio Jones. So do you, where do you fall on that range with Julio in, in particular? Um, I have him ranked right at ECR, maybe even lower. I, I, I am skeptical, uh, despite my, um, my, my talk about Mike Evans and Kadarius Tony. I have a little higher. I'm like mid fifties, but Kadarius Tony's my widest range of outcomes guy, by the way. Wow. Yeah, that guy could see finishing anywhere. Um, okay. I want you to directly address this. Forget, forget Julio Jones, 16% target share last year directly. I mean, it is tough. I get that you're just going to say it's going to get double to touch on, but there is no yardage upside for a 16% target. I mean, there's just no way he's going to have more than 1100 yards. I mean, no matter how efficient you are, I mean, uh, are you talking about, you're talking about uh, Mike Evans. You think he, yes, you I think want you to he's directly, I want you to directly address 16% <laughs> target share last year. That, I mean, that is, that is not a receiver that should be drafted high in fantasy. Buddy, he was playing with two other great receivers in Antonio Brown, who is, you know, nuts, but he's a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. And Chris Godwin, who I, I will say this about Chris Godwin, like if he was 100 percent healthy, I'm not taking Mike Evans in the second round. I'm, I'm, I'm OK. A, okay. I, I might take I might take Chris Godwin even ahead of Mike Evans, it, like all situations being equal, like sharing the field with those and plus Rob Gronkowski, not all that like he wasn't always in there. But and then we have to remember, too, that once Godwin got hurt, Mike Evans was then hurt and was playing through that injury. Then the Antonio Brown thing happened, all that stuff. So it just, he's not Dalton. He's not seeing a 16% target share this year. So I don't even know why that's relevant. Far be it for me to criticize the GOAT, too, by the way. But, I mean, we haven't even brought up the fact that we have a 45-year-old quarterback who looks checked out. Um, I'm throwing him the football here, too. I mean, yeah. who, by the way, have lost both guards. Alex Marpet and, and Kappa are gone. Ryan Jensen's gone. So many injuries on the offensive line. I know Brady's notoriously known well for pressure up the middle, right? So, I... I don't know, man. I guess I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be drafting Mike Evans this weekend, I guess, is, is, is the conclusion here. But uh, he'll probably, whatever, sleepwalk into another double-digit touchdowns. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to be a bust. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm just saying I'd rather Gabe Davis is upside more oh, at this yeah. stage of their careers. 
Yeah, well, if you and if Mike Evans' season goes wrong this year, I'm screwed because I have. You don't have to take Mike Evans where I. I'm okay taking him in the mid second round. He is almost in every draft I've done, like not best ball drafts, like seasonal draft. He is always there around the two three turn, and I love starting teams with JT or Christian McCaffrey in the top two picks. And then uh, you come around and you get like Mark Andrews and Mike Evans. I think you're, I have a few of those teams and I feel really, really good about them. Um, so I still really like Mike Evans. Dalton is off on Mike Evans. And uh, so, but Chris Godwin, let's talk about him just a little bit here. And, and then we'll come back to Brady and we'll finish on Fournette. With Chris Godwin, where are, how are you treating him? Cause Scott and I got into a whole thing on it on Sunday where apparently I guess on Yahoo, like his, draft ranking is super low whatever um i just i don't want to draft a guy that i'm I'm this unsure about when he's going to be fully ramped up i passed along that chatter to the to the group backstage and i did not mean to be an instigator i take full credit for that i absolutely did not mean it i was just like let's all reevaluate our godwin rank and i actually am down as well on him i have him as my wide receiver 40 as ecr he's being drafted as a top 30 fantasy wideout and i just don't think he's going to be close to his old self over the first six weeks of the year so yeah i have him on zero of my teams and in fact i had him even lower in the mid 40s throughout summer but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Why not? There's just healthier receivers with yeah. a lot of upside going at the same range. That That's the thing. I have him. I had him at wide receiver 38 for most of the offseason. I have bumped him to wide receiver 34, which he never goes in that range. He always goes higher than that. And I agree with you. Like, I have him in the same tier as Amon Ross St. Brown. I have correctly ranked Gabe Davis in that tier, not whatever tier you have him in. I have him in this group too. Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Darnell Mooney, even Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen. I would take all those guys ahead of Chris Godwin because you're going to know what you're going to get from week one. And there's risk with all of those players as well. But there's the there's this thought that like Chris Godwin's going to be great at the end of the season. And those are the most important weeks in fantasy football. That's, that's fine. But like Scott said on, on the podcast recently, you got to get there. And like, I would much rather, by the way, Mike Evans going to start the season red hot, right? Because he, all these other guys are like Godwin are banged up. Mike Evans going to help you get to that three and zero start, baby. Uh, I, I want to start the season off on a good note. Like maybe Chris Godwin's a guy I trade for in the middle of the year, but I'm never, he's never made it into my draft plans. Yep, agree with you there, although I do not on this one. One of these things is not like the others. I have one of those receivers you named in that tier of yours, 24 spots higher as my wide receiver 16. Can you name which one? Well, I, I know you used to have Gabe Davis as your wide receiver 16, but clearly now he's yeah. your yeah, one he's dot one. Yeah. He's one uh, dot one overall for you. It's bad, um, bad, bad podcasting. I play a lot of PPR, but I'm all in on Amon Ross St. Brown. I have him as yeah, my wide receiver. I love like, it. To have him in yeah. the same breath as Godwin has me did a double take there. No, I mean, I think they should not be drafted within the same four rounds of each other personally. He's my top guy in that tier. I have him at wide receiver 25. I'm on Ross St. Brown and... um. I honestly, I, I draft him every time he's in the round. If he's round five, every single time he's there, I will take. Uh, I, I moved him over time. Waddle with the Waddle news of the the tissue injury he's dealing with. So I felt like those guys were close for me as is. So uh, I moved I moved him one spot above Waddle. I think you're right about that. I'm looking at I'm looking at my rankings right now. I have Waddle at 22, which is below consensus, and St. Brown at 25. And I think I'm gonna bump Amon Ra St. Brown ahead of Jalen. He's gonna Waddle ball there. Yeah, yeah he's, he's gonna, gonna ball. so good. He, he's gonna ball yeah. this year, man. Um, yeah. All right, let's finish it off. You mentioned Brady. He took 11 weeks, 11 days to get plastic surgery. We know that at this point. Just take a look at it, man. I mean, give me a break. Um, I was buying the Mass Singer thing because I was a Fox connection. I really was kind of buying that. I really thought that was going to be it, but maybe, maybe not. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it was that. Uh, I think he's got. He's definitely got some off-field stuff going on. Uh, Charles yeah, Robinson yeah. talked about that on his, okay. on his podcast. Oh, yeah. I would. There's just some. There's just. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad, but there's just something. There's something going life. on there. Yeah, yeah, life. Gotcha. Like I me, mean, Brady said it and. I mean, I feel this at, you know, 31 years old. He's like 45 years old. He's I'm I'm 45 years old, man. I got a lot of going on, um, and he's he's right. Yeah, I'm sure he's got, does have a lot of a lot of that going on. So, you know, whatever. We'll see. We'll see with this year with Tom Brady, and um, I'm I never want to be the one to predict the decline before it happens. So we'll we'll leave it there. But let's talk Fournette, um, because I think you had a take on him as well. Yeah, a couple of things with uh, Tampa Bay. First of all, the oldest 53 man roster in the NFL. 
Brady is really profound splits with and without Gronk throughout his career. I should check him out. But I mean, I think he has quite a few decent receivers to, to throw to. But something to consider also with the, you know, the big changes on the offensive line. I don't think the new coach is going to matter. If anything, that'll help Brady. Um, but here's just a crazy set I have to pass along. Tom Brady has more touchdown passes after turning 40 than Troy Aikman did during his entire career. I mean, it's just insane. what an insane dude. Um, all right, let's talk. Leonard Fournette, who is absolutely a guy that's been moving up my ranks. Maybe I fell too far for the he's out of shape uh, pictures in the offseason. And I really don't honestly trust him a ton. There's a real long injury history here um, and the offensive line concerns as we've hammered here. But I moved him above Najee Harris pretty comfortably after the Liz Frank uh, sprain news with Harris. Um, Tom Brady easily leads the NFL in running back target percentage over the last five years. And another thing I've become more comfortable with is just backing him up with Rashad White, who led all college backs in yeah. yards per route run. And he seems perfect. I feel like uh, Fournette will get all the touches he can handle, the veteran, while healthy. And if he got hurt, especially with news of maybe Gio Bernard getting cut, you have White coming right in and maybe even more juice in his legs with as much fantasy upside. So um, I'm, I'm definitely warming to Fournette as a mid-second round fantasy pick in PPR leagues. Um, and uh, yeah, speaking of backups, I just want I know this is a total non sequitur, but Alexander Madison going on the trade block, I, I, I alluded to it in last week's podcast. It's a problem for people drafting Dalvin Cook, who the backup is there, because I Cannot pronounce Kane's last name, but he looks awesome. And, and Ty Chandler, and Ty Chandler, rookie, looks awesome too. So that is absolutely a situation to pay attention to there in Minnesota. Meanwhile, I, I do like Rashad White there for Uncle Lenny. So yeah, I like Fournette. He led the league in high value touches last year. That's any reception or carries inside the ten yard line. Uh, only uh, CMC is the only other player to average more than six per game, and Fournette averaged six point seven per game. So Brady loves him. So, I mean, what, what more can you say? If Fournette stays healthy, he'll return top ten value. I agree with you. So where you where do you have him ranked in, in terms of running backs? Yeah, I moved him by running back nine. Nice. Yeah, I, I've had him around like 10, 11, 12 all, uh, all offseason. Uh, I was never really bothered by the out-of-shape stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, he's, a, he's another guy that makes it to the round two, three turn every single time, and I take him there every single time that he's available. Uh, I just think he's he's boring. And people might think he's not that good, whatever. Who cares? Like, Brady really likes him. He catches passes. He basically had, like, an Austin Eckler-like receiving role last year. So, uh, man, I mean, he's he's as green light of a pick for me as you could possibly get. Uh, but Yeah, I think he's the only guy to get a greater percentage of his fantasy points via the air than Eckler was Fournette. You're right. It's a great comp, actually. Yeah, which you would never expect that, right? Austin yeah. Eckler and Leonard Fournette. So, uh, there you go. It's definitely... The Bucks will be interesting to watch this year because of the Brady absence. Like, where's Brady at this year? And and the offensive line, as you mentioned, is a big concern. Some of these receivers, beyond the great Mike Evans, are volatile this year uh, as well. So the Bucks are the Bucks are a weirder team than usual, man. A couple final things about thoughts. Uh, Cameron Brake got some buzz as a sleeper, but he does not play the same position as Gronk. And if you look no. at his stats, when Gronk missed games last year, they were horrible. So I wouldn't go too crazy. I mean, he'll be better, but I wouldn't go too nuts as a fantasy sleeper there. And one of great Brady's best attributes underrated is the dude just plays in the NFL's weakest division year in and year out. I don't know how yes. he does it, but uh, he's done it yet again. <laughs> and they're going to, they should just, I uh, the saints actually have sneaking in the wild card there, but again, yeah. he has a, uh, he, he picked the right, the right division to once again, get into, in, into the playoffs. Saints defense, I think will still be good, but losing Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a pretty big loss uh, in terms of like their nickel position there. So, um, well, and their rookie Trevor Penning was replacing, um, you know, the left tackle too went down too. Those are so brutal, brutal, brutal loss there too. Yeah. That was a weird, weird trade. Yeah, but they'll dunk all over Carolina and uh, Atlanta twice a year, so they got no problems there. But, uh, yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine overall, and I still want to invest in this Bucks team, even though there are some there's some questions for sure. But, uh, Dalton, I feel like I that was we, we debated a lot more than usual on this episode, so that was great. I feel like I need, like, a, a beer and a cigarette now after this episode. No, that was fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks for humoring me in my hot takes. Um, and, yeah, I uh, – I feel like we got to have a $20 bet on Gabe Davis versus Mike Evans. I mean, come on, season. season $20, $200, right. uh, your, right. your, your, your kids, <laughs> yeah. your kids college saving. What do you want to bet? No, yeah. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> you're talking to a gambler here. We can talk backstage. But yeah, no, we'll definitely officially make a, a bet right now. Lunch okay, yeah. next time we, we see each other. 
definitely, man. I, I love that right. call. Well, that's a, that's officially on right now. We'll uh, we'll have to track that throughout the throughout the season. All right. Um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. He had a hell of a, a calling card here, you know, trying to follow up the Austin Eckler episode. But I think he did a hell of a job with some of these these hot ass takes. Uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you are there. Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show, how could you not like the show? Make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Scott will be back tomorrow to preview both the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Until then, we are out.